1: episode 62 of the it's about the yankees stupid podcast i am your host dominic Lanza, and tonight i'm joined by everyone i'm joined by ej fagan
2: hello dominic
1: mr scott moss esquire hey there and stacy gotzulius hello i gave scott a little bit of an extra introduction because while he was away he was uh doing things that actually could help make america great again
3: I would have thought so until the election, but yeah, I'm making the world safe for ballot selfies, I guess, which excited me before the election, but seems a little small potatoes, but, you know, it's, hey, it, it's something about freedom, I guess.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we won't go too in depth on that because let's avoid the quagmire of politics, but Scott was helping <laughs> to deal with uh, voter suppression issues in Colorado, which is coming to a head again if you're uh, on Twitter and follow pretty much anybody who hates Donald Trump um moving on uh the first thing we want to talk about tonight is actually uh in relation to a post EJ wrote uh sort of going about what he would offer for Mike Trout if he was the Yankees GM EJ uh, we talked a little bit beforehand and you said you don't think this is necessarily a good trade proposal it's kind of just what you hope the angels would take right
2: Yes, like all trade proposals, my trade proposal sucks. Um, the the argument I was trying to make is the first one is just basically I think the Angels have a strong – have incentive to trade Mark, Mike Trout. Um, I think if I were their GM, I probably would try and go out and see at least what I can get for him. And that the Yankees, now that they have um, one of the deepest farm systems in baseball, not just elite farm systems but deepest ones, they could trade a lot of guys for Mike Trout. Improve their team and become an, an instant contender, and still have a very respectable farm system left over, and that that's something I think, um, even if it's not Mike Trout, I think the Yankees should consider trading someone out uh, for someone, someone big, if they indeed do want to uh, try to contend this year. Um, that's they that that second part's important, right? I, I don't I don't think that they necessarily should try to contend this year, but it's something I think they should at least consider. And Mike Trott's great because he'll be great for a while. He's under contract for four more seasons, and he's still at the height of his powers. He's still, I think, only 25. And, um, you yeah, know, I'd love to see the best player in baseball in New York. The second part of the argument I made was just that the Yankees should tra- – I-, I was trying to say the Yankees should trade from places that they can – they they have, like, slack. They have some spare parts. So you don't trade Gary Sanchez because you just trade Brian McCann – and then Austin Romine becomes your starting catcher, right? You give away most of what you you lost in, um, uh, in you know in, in gaining my Trout, right? Um, but you know you do you can trade away Gleyber Torres or Didi Gregorius, who you have the other one for. Um, you also have Tyler Wade, you know, over at shortstop. You can trade away Dell and because there are a thousand pretty good relievers out there in the market that you could sign with just money to keep them. Um, and so I think that. Um, you know, the, again I I, I my, the purpose of the post wasn't to create one trade proposal, but kind of start a discussion about what the Yankees could do with this depth.
1: I guess the one point that I'd want to make is um the Angels, like you said, it's I'm wondering if they will ever be incentivized to trade trout. Billy Epler seems like the type of person who recognizes the dire straits that the Angels are in, given how he's handled the his draft and um Shipping off a few guys already, but their farm system is by far the worst in Major League Baseball. They have precious little depth, and in going through their farm system earlier today, they only have one guy who I think is in contention for being a top 200 prospect. Not a top 100 prospect, a top 200 guy. That's Jamai Jones. He's an outfielder who is in single A. Yeah. And struggled horribly in his first taste there and that's that's the kind of that's the kind of situation they're in they're rebuilding from giving up draft picks bad draft picks trading away prospects and the yankees are the team that could help them kind of reload across the board
3: you know it would be a fun one would be if they just traded everybody they got for chapman and miller for trout now that'd be a big batch of prospects it'd be Torres, Frazier, a couple other top hundred-ish guys, but A, that might be the going trade rate for Trout, and B, in a way, that would be really cool if ultimately their haul for
1: a half-year of Vatances and a year and a half of Miller is Mike Trout. I could actually see the Angels going for something like that because then we're talking about Torres, who Keith Law said today is a top-ten prospect, Clint Frazier, who's probably, what, top 30, being conservative? Mm Mm-hmm. Justice Sheffield, who is a top 100 guy, though I've seen him kind of back and forth in anywhere from like the 50 to like 90 range. Um, Billy McKinley, McKinney rather, who was in top 100 lists prior to this season. And then just more depth. I mean, three top 100 guys, including an elite prospect and I mean, filler I with upside.
3: It, it, I suspect they'd have to give up more, but though if you start with that package, and then adjust it if the Angels decide, for example, they'd rather have a guy who's similar to McKinney or Sheffield, but in a different position. But, you know, uh, which is all to say that a haul of something like two tippy-top prospects like Torres and Frazier and several other, like, say, three more top-hundred-ish prospects, um, A, that wouldn't be exorbitant because that's what the rate was for Chapman and – Miller on a pretty short term. Um, so if you give up that sort of package or even a little more, then basically you've got Trout for two years of closers, which would be unbelievable.
2: You know, I think um, the, the question here is, though, is that like, do the Yankees really want to go all in right now? Right. There's no doubt. No one's going to disagree that Mike Trout is worth having on your team. Um, but there there are timing issues right here. Where the Yankees, you know, the Yankees have the prospects to trade for him. I think that's clear, and they could do it without, you know, completely bankrupting their future. Um, but they still don't have the strongest roster to support him with. I mean, yeah, they they won eighty four games last year, but that eighty four games was, uh, I don't want to say weak, but you know what it was. What wasn't the? It, I think they had a true talent, or rather, like I put that reading record of like seventy nine games. So you had Trout on top of that. Let's say he's like a seven win improvement. That still gets you to. Eighty-six games, um, which isn't enough to make the wild card. So you know the Yankees would have to go further all in if they're going to do something like trade for Mike Trout. Um, and there's just not a lot of free agents right now for them to really do that. So yeah, I, I, I look. I still I stand by my post. I think the Yankees should try and trade for Mike Trout. But um, you know, I, I also wouldn't be surprised if I, I would also make the argument they could go the other way. And trade Masahiro Tanaka and a couple of the other guys they have on the roster and really go all in on the rebuild and try to do a Cubs rebuild rather than something more short term.
1: And that kind of leads into the grander point of your post, which was, should the Yankees be trying to do this at all? That's, you know, trading from the farm system to improve the roster, which is kind of a way to actualize talent from the minors that I think people overlook. Converting prospect depth into star players is oftentimes just as good as developing those players yourself. But the other three guys who are being talked about, um, as in actually being shopped, because I, I don't think Mike Trout is, are uh, Andrew McCutcheon of the Pirates, Chris Sale of the White Sox, and Chris Archer of the Rays. Are any of you intrigued by any of those guys or more than one of those guys, depending on the cost?
2: I'll take Chris Sale. Um, you know, I, 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 the Yankees right now really have a problem in starting pitching. I mean, they have zero starting pitchers on the roster, guaranteed past this season. Zero. CC Sabathia is gone. Michael Pineda is gone. Anthony Ivaldi is already gone. And Masayo Tanaka has the opt-out clause. Um, Sale is really good. He's only twenty. He's going to be twenty-eight years old next season. Uh, he will be under contract for, I believe, three seasons, including next season. And, um, you know, I think, I think, you know, as the left handed pitcher, I think he'll do well at Yankee Stadium. I mean, the one concern is that everybody's been waiting for the Chris sale arm arm injury for like six years, and maybe it comes eventually, but the guy's been healthy. I'm, I'm, I'm willing to go all in on sale.
4: Just keep the scissors away from him. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, yeah. There's also the Chris sales, a crazy person problem. Uh, so, you know, I, I, I like to think that the Yankees can handle a crazy person and that Joe Girardi is a good manager for the crazy person. Um, but you know, there's a, there's a chance that he goes like, you know, restraining order on us.
1: Well, the Yankees would just have to allow Adam LaRoche and his son into the clubhouse to offset that.
2: Okay. Yeah, that, that's what I want. Um, so I, I would go Chris. I I wouldn't touch Andrew McCutcheon.
1: I wouldn't touch McCutcheon either. But Chris Archer, I'm still incredibly intrigued by. He had a down year, though he did improve pretty dramatically in the second half. But
4: Yeah, he had a weird he, year.
1: Yeah, he's just one of those pitchers who you look at and see the talent, see the stuff, and then you look at his contract and realize he's under team control including team options for five years for what you'd be paying Chris sale over the next three that's not putting down Chris sale it's just to point out how good Chris Archer's contract is I assume that means he'd cost a lot more than Chris sale but um Archer pretty much had the same season albeit with uh, a rising number of innings from every year from 2013 to 2015 before he kind of struggled in the first half of this year but I think he's more intriguing than Sale. Don't know if that means he's a better fit or a better target than Sale, but I'm a big fan of him as well. I think I think both are good targets.
2: I I just wonder if he's going to be cheaper than Sale, right? I mean, if after the first half of last year, maybe you know, at the trade deadline, he could have come cheap, but he re- he rebounded. He's under contract for five more seasons. He's really good. The Rays have no reason to you know run away from him right now. So, you know, if he were – if the price were lower, I'd go for it. But all, I think they'll be fairly similar in price and i will take sale.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know that the, the White Sox are going to shop sale either because they seem very steadfast in their belief that they can compete, you know, all signs to the contrary.
2: Yeah, but that's stupid, right? Like, yeah. I mean, yeah, they think they they compete, but, I mean, the White Sox are as bad as the Angels.
1: The White Sox at least have some talent in the minors. They don't have a – they have a more middle-of-the-pack system, but – I think they're much closer to contending again than the Angels. Though a Chris Sale trade might be enough to launch them into the playoffs. But I, I think Chris
2: Sale kind of has the Mike Trout problem, but even worse, right? I mean, Mike Chris Sale doesn't make this this Yankee team a playoff team, and so if you're going to go for that big move, and especially on a shorter time for you know shorter, um, we can expect Sale to start to decline. You know, you know more you know after this season, I think. Um, You know, at, at that point, the Yankees are trading for an ace that they probably won't ever have pitching playoff games.
1: Yeah, that's the going concern is just the diminishing returns of these players by the time the Yankees could compete. Although, I guess, like you said in your post, if they make a trade like this, they could supplement the rest of their roster with free agents, at least for this year. You know, if they if they trade for Chris Sale, say, without touching the Major League roster, without giving up, uh, you know, Bird or Sanchez or anybody who's set to play this year, and then they plug Carlos Beltran in at DH and add some bench depth and get some bullpen depth, that could make them a playoff team.
2: Yeah, I, and I think... Um,
1: but then know, that but might hurt the bottom line in 2018 and beyond.
2: Right. I mean, I, the Yankees right now are set up to be a powerhouse starting kind of mid-2018 or so. Maybe even earlier if things you know, if things break right. And you know, the if you if you move too early, you risk the powerhouse. And and so that's my my concern. I think the Yankees should go out and trade for guys when they're ready to to contend. I don't think they should just, you know, just sit on their prospect at that and wait for the right combination of guys to make it. Um, you know, even the Cubs have built their team, a lot of their team through free agency and trade. So, you know, but I prefer trying to trade for the next Jake Arrieta than trying to go out and finding the next Jake Arrieta at full price.
1: I agree. So I guess the big news of the day, which might actually not be real news, depending on who you believe, uh, Ken Rosenthal reported today that, um, there are, kind of talks among the MLB owners about a lockout. Um, the CBA expires on December 1st and there's still, there's still some issues that haven't been resolved between the players union and the owners. Um, reading through it personally, it seems like this is just kind of blustering for the sake of blustering because there's a lot more money than usual in play. And, uh, they're what they're what they seem to be hung up on the most is the draft and uh, the why can't I think of the word the revenue sharing that's what I'm looking for but it doesn't seem like they're that far apart uh, Keith Law has already said and a few other people have already said that they're um they think this is just a non-story that's being reported because it's a slow baseball news day but Maybe I'm naive about not being worried about this. So I'm not sure what you guys think.
2: Yeah, the Yankees, I don't know the Yankees, the Major League Baseball has had like the most peaceful labor situation in history. Um, you know, the, the the there hasn't really been any threat of a lockout or a strike since, what, 1994. Um, and, you know, Rob Manfred, who's the current MLB commissioner, was the one negotiating the last couple of CBAs. Um, and Tony Clark, I think, was also around for that, for the last CBA. So, you know, I, I there's there seems to be no reason to believe that they can't get in a room and you know get along. So I know that the um, the NBA, the the, uh, the I'm sorry, the uh, the NHL, the National Hockey League, um, they kept they kept having labor problems largely because the t- the union and the league just couldn't get along. Like they didn't trust each other in a, in a room. Whereas I think that they have. Um, Uh, you know, a good working relationship. And also that they don't seem to be discussing any major issues, right? Like the, the last two times the NHL locked out for long periods of time were over this, over a salary cap, right? A salary cap where the owners were losing money and willing to, um, willing to, you know, kill a season. And they did in order to get their salary cap. And I just don't see that happen with the, with the, with major league baseball right now, they're making too much money. Um, and they're, you know, they're doing pretty well right now.
3: Yeah. You, Obviously, a lockout or a strike is going nuclear, and you do it if you're desperate, but with neither side really seeming to be in trouble, salaries keep going up, the owners aren't going broke, it seems like they're in a pretty good place. So it's hard to see either one really wanting to go nuclear, and maybe if we were in some really different economic state where one side were desperate, losing money like EJ saying some other sports have had, or if the players were really feeling like they're getting royally screwed by a bad deal from last time that went worse than they thought. But I just don't see them being desperate enough. But then again, people have done uh, you know, surprisingly bad things in labor negotiations. So anything could go off the rails once a strike or a lockout has been done in the past. But odds, let's just
1: say, seem a little lower this time than
3: in some other sports or in the 90s.
1: Yeah, just reviewing this again, it seems like the the biggest sticking point right now seems to be The joint drug agreement, which Major League Baseball and the players both want to be stronger, but the players, of course, because it hurts them more, want to get some concessions back from baseball. Um, And then there's, you know, everything with the international draft, which, as far as I know, seems to be close to becoming a reality. Um, But yeah, this just, like I said, this just seems like a, a slow news day story. I mean, and you know to be perfectly frank if the owners are asked whether or not they'll lock the players out if they can't get everything they want i mean they kind of have to say that it's an option that's negotiating 101 more or less
2: yeah but i, I like i said I, i'm not worried yet but i you know i do have my nightmares now of waking up in april and not having baseball every day that would be bad
1: so the other Sort of story? I don't know if it's a story because it's something that happens every year, but uh, the BBWAA released their official Hall of Fame ballot, um, which is always a fun time because, you know, everybody's just so calm and rational about Hall of Fame voting. Um, So we usually do some kind of an IIATMS ballot or something like that, but this year I thought we could try something a little different where... We'll just go through the ballot in real time, and we'll all give just, like, a a yay or a nay as to whether we induct the player. We're not doing anything with ballot numbers, so if, you know, Stacy, for some reason, is in love with Melvin Moore and she wants to make him her 11th player, that's perfectly fine. (laughs) Um
2: can I say, I prepared for this episode uh, by watching everybody's favorite movie about a player struggling to make the Hall of Fame, Mr. 3000. Wow. Uh, <laughs> I, I have a soft spot in my heart for Bernie Mac.
1: Rest in peace, Bernie. Um, so, and we'll, we'll use this to be a little Yankee-centric, too, once we get down to a, you know, Mr. Jorge Posada and then... I guess you could even say other former Yankees, Mike Messina and Tim Raines, who are... Javier Vasquez. Javier Ron Vasquez Ron Rodriguez, timer Javier Vasquez is not on the ballot. Yeah, they he left is. him <laughs> off. Uh. Why was he left <laughs> There's off? There's no
3: justice. I don't There's know. no justice in this world.
1: No, um, yeah, I, I wonder... Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm taking the ballot from the BBWAA website. There's a bunch of people missing who... Baseball reference is showing is eligible. I wonder if it's because he signed a contract or somebody something. Um,
4: no, I think he was left off the six. There's a six-person committee that didn't put him on the ballot.
2: Oh, interesting. Yeah, interesting. So we don't get to talk about Danny Baez today.
1: <laughs> nope. former race closer. So uh, we'll do this. We'll do this mostly quickly.
4: No, wait. Um, one thing you mentioned Melvin Mora. That's the dude who's wife had quintuplets right
1: i don't remember if it was quintuplets but it was definitely more than twins
4: right it was yeah <laughs> they had like a yeah like a baseball team okay
1: i always i also always confuse him with Agbayani.
2: <laughs> why why uh, because no, they were no, both
1: flashing bad. the pan players for the mets buddy come on keep up Quintana of-
2: moro was a flash in the pan player for the orioles he hit like 340 one year let's go we got this
1: okay, let's <laughs> read read it. The okay going order, if you have anything interesting you want to add or if you want to rant about something go for it but i think this should be pretty quick um so leading off is jeff bagwell i'm an easy yes oh yeah yes yes yes, yes. okay casey blake no 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 he doesn't get into the hall of fame for being the uh The big piece that that was dealt for Manny Ramirez. (laughs) Such a nice guy. Barry Bonds. Yes. 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 Pat Burrell. No. 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 Orlando Cabrera. No. No. Nope. Mike Cameron. Yes.
4: Hmm.
1: Ooh. I say no. Roger Clemens. Yes. 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 Scott sounds so unenthusiastic about all of these. <laughs> JD Drew. No. 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 Scott, can you shout into the microphone, please? Yes. Okay, go. Wait, yes?
3: No, <laughs> oh, yes, I will shout into the microphone, and my answer is no. Okay, sorry. I'm screwing up a really simple process you laid after me done. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. We Scott, you will be loud
2: the- through the magic of editing.
3: Yes, we we were joking before about when Dom said a real-time draft. We thought it would be something convoluted. Instead, it's yeses and noes, yet I'm screwing that up. Go ahead. <laughs>
1: Carlos Guillen famously traded for Randy Johnson, was it? No. 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 Vlad Guerrero. Yes. 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 Trevor Hoffman. No. Mm. No. I'll say no. You don't have to be like the cool kid, Stacey. If you think you should be in, you should say something. By the way, I'm taking
2: back my Mike Cameron uh, vote because I just looked at his stats and
1: no. <laughs> okay, Jeff Kent. Yes. No. What was that, Stacey?
4: That's a hmm. <laughs> I don't know about Jeff Kent. No. <laughs> he had a pretty good
2: mustache. can always vote for him next year.
4: Is he the one that lied about breaking his hand? Fixing a motorcycle? Yep. Right? Didn't he really really? fall off a truck or something?
1: Something like that, yeah. (laughs)
4: Yeah.
1: So that's a yes, then. No, that's a no. (laughs) Um, No, I'm kidding. Derek Lee. No. No. Edgar Martinez. Yes. Yes. Crime Dog, Fred McGriff. Nope. No. No. Melvin Mora. (laughs) No. (laughs) No.
4: Uh, he's in the Hall of Fame for, uh, you know, having a wife that had five babies at
3: one time. I mean, statistically, statistically, one of his kids is going to be a Hall of Famer in 25 years.
2: Would you like to guess the names of the five babies? And after I read them, would you like to guess which religion uh, they, the two of them are from?
3: The stone is uh, they all start with M. Am I right about that?
2: Uh, no, Genesis Ra- oh. uh, Rachel, uh, Jada Praskela, Rebecca Alesha, Christian Emanuel, and Matthew David. they're like their Old Testament.
4: Actually, it's Genesis Raquel.
2: I apologize, yes. I'm terrible. I'm looking at
3: Wikipedia as well. <laughs> uh, from the Book of Raquel, that's one of my
1: favorites. <laughs> Mike Mussina. <laughs>
2: Hell yes!
1: Yes. Yes. So I think this is a good place to pause a little bit. Um, I'm wondering what if you guys think that it's just Mike Mussina's lack of a Cy Young that has kind of held him down in the voting every year, because yeah. that's kind of all I see.
2: Yeah. I think the problem is, is his career was o- almost perfectly um straddled the uh the offensive surge. Mm. And so his stats don't look impressive when you compare it to anybody coming before or after him. But in his era, Mike Messina was an elite pitcher. Um you know when when baseball was booming and everybody's hitting home runs, Mike Messina is still being you know putting up respectable numbers.
1: Well I think part of it too is probably and I don't know why I glossed over this, the fact that you could probably make an argument that Greg Maddox, Randy Johnson and Pedro Martinez be it based on peak or whatever, are three of, I don't know, the 10 greatest pitchers to ever live. And his career also overlapped with theirs.
2: Yeah. He's got Tim Raines' problem. He's got the Tim range problem. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's true.
4: It's also the win thing. You know, they see, oh, sure, he had over 10 wins every year that he pitched, but he only hit 20 once and it was the last year. And
2: <sighs> what kills me is there's tons of Hall of Famers with fewer than 270 wins. Mm-hmm. Right. It's I don't know when we decided to arbitrarily put this barrier up, but we're just not going to we're not going to let pitchers in if we if we either require them to be Randy Johnson or not Randy Johnson, require them to be, uh, you know, John, John Smoltz or, you know, put up 300 wins. Mm -hmm. Um, Mike Messina was a dominant pitcher who lasted a very long time.
3: I also have a theory that is even more condescending to the voters than EJ is usually willing to get, which is that. When you guys were talking, I think, in a podcast I missed about how some idiotic vote was for David Ortiz over Mookie Betts because Ortiz is more intimidating. Mm. I think there's something to people vote on appearance a little bit. So Mike Messina looks like the sort of guy who was an econ major at Stanford, which he was. Right, <laughs> He was better than Smoltz, but Smoltz looks gritty. He looks like he chewed off a tire before the game, before hitting on taking the mound. And Maddox, yeah, looked like an econ major too, but he was just that good. But people – there's this meme about Messina that he wasn't ever intimidating or dominant. And it's not true on the numbers, but I think people just go on vague impressions that aren't really borne out. And I I can't prove this, but I think some of it is appearance, right? Messina is a handsome fellow, but he just didn't look scary or intimidating out there. Um, he looked like the sort of guy who'd be doing a crossword puzzle rather than kicking the water cooler after the game, which he was. <laughs> um, but I, I think it cuts against him, and there's that stupid vote that he just wasn't intimidating.
1: He actually makes me wonder, you know, EJ bringing up wins and everything. Um, two years from now, Roy Holiday is going to be on the ballot. And I want to say Roy Holiday is going to fly in. He has two Cy Youngs, a perfect game, and no hitter in the playoffs. He was the best pitcher in baseball for, I don't know, like seven years, but he only had 203 wins and only 2,700 innings. And he's well below the baselines you see in the hall of fame for stuff like that. But you know, it's, it's kind of, he's kind of like a Pedro Martinez light in terms of the height of his peak, but similar to Martinez, he's all peak. I I just don't, I don't know how he'll be treated, but I'm interested to see that in two years.
2: I mean, the peak is so high. I mean, the Roy Holiday was the ace of the American League for what half a decade, um, and you know that's not something that that happens a whole lot. Um, yeah, yeah, he had he had a short career, and you know probably wasn't really all that respected until you know, he was 25, 26. No one really saw Roy Holiday coming, um, but yeah, I I hope he gets in. I'm a big Roy Holiday fan.
1: All right, so back to the ballot, Maglio Ordóñez. No, nope. no, nope. And right into another discussion, I guess we'll take we'll take the yes and nays first. But uh, Jorge Posada,
2: yes,
3: mm, no, yes, probably. Put it in as a yes, I guess. Yes, probably. So yes, yes. Yeah. Okay. Since you're confining my freedom in this way, they will say yes. I am.
1: I'm restricting you, um, <laughs> Stacy. So you you went with no pretty quickly. Why? I don't know. I just don't think he's a hall of famer. <laughs> Your gut,
4: yeah. <laughs> I, I saw too much of his base running; that kind of killed it for me. No, I'm kidding. Um, I don't know. But that's I,
1: fair, actually.
4: <laughs> um, I don't. I don't know that he has the peak that he needs. You
1: know, well, what I mean? just 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 to get this out of the way, just because I think it's interesting. Um, Jay Jaffe. Uses the uh, the Jaws methodology, comparing people on the Hall of Fame ballot to actual Hall of Famers, and Jorge Posada is actually fairly well short mm-hmm. of the Hall of Fame standard for catchers. Uh, I guess maybe not fairly well, but by he's uh, by this metric, he's the 16th best catcher, um, about six wins behind the average Hall of Fame inductee, but. You know the the catcher standards are weird. They're largely they're they're kind of heavily skewed by um, Roy Campanella, who had such a brief career. So I think the standards actually probably a little higher than we see just by looking at those numbers. But I I I do agree with Stacy. I I don't think he's a Hall of Famer.
2: So here here's my argument. So one, I think the Hall of Fame undervalues catchers. Um, it's very hard for a catcher to have a long career because it's such a demanding position. This is different than why I believe the Hall of Fame overvalues relievers. Relievers are pitchers who pitch less, largely because they're either not capable of it, or uh, less than starters, um, or because they just aren't good enough to pitch more. Whereas catchers play a position that it's just not possible for Virtually anybody to pitch, a, you know, to, to play a lot of games, and so we should expect their WAR totals to be lower. Posada still has a pretty solid WAR total. Um, you know, he's at um, he's at forty five wins, looks like it on Fangraphs. I think about the same on baseball uh, on, on uh, Baseball Reference, and that's within the range of, of a lot of you know Hall of Fame type uh, players. But uh, the problem is, is that there's not that many Hall of Famers. And you mentioned Roy Campanella, who's far worse than Posada. Um, but you know, better than Posada are Gary Carter, Yogi Berra, Johnny Bench.
1: Well, Roy Campanella are... is kind of a hard case because, you know, the whole getting in a horrific car accident and being kept out of baseball for, you know, the first five years of his peak because of the color of his skin. Uh,
2: the, um, if we look at the post-World War II players, right? So this is post, post Jackie Robinson, This is, you know, modern-day baseball. There's just not that many Hall of Famers that catch it, right? You have Johnny Bench, Gary Carter.
0: At Jared, we know devotion isn't a a once-a-year occasion. And once the flowers have wilted and the chocolates have disappeared, you'll still want them to know how much you care. Dare to give a gift that lasts this Valentine's Day with our incredible selection of jewelry. From delicate rose gold to bold black diamonds, Jared has hundreds of pieces under $299 Jared has hundreds of pieces under $299 and exclusive collections you won't find anywhere else. Shop online or find a store near you at jared.com and dare to be devoted.